Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Erskovich. And you can follow our guests on Twitter as well. The great Chris Felica, the bear, joining us at Chris Felica on Twitter now with Fox Sports. And Ryan Dickey at Firehouse Racing on Twitter, content supervisor over at Circus Sports. He'll be over at the new Illinois Sportsbook for Circa once that hopefully opens up close to football season. But want to start with you, Chris. How's everything going at Fox? And you're getting ready for your favorite time of the year. Well, yeah, so so far it's so good. It's been uh, uh, mainly doing a lot of writing so far, and it's actually worked out well. I'm, uh, being that the USFL is on Fox, I've been doing weekly columns on the USFL and actually gone uh, gone very well so far. So yeah, we got some columns. We'll have a. Uh, uh, Belmont Stakes on June 10th will be uh, on the air for that. Uh, then I'll have a uh, Women's World Cup in Australia in July and August. And then college football season will be here. So certainly uh, enjoying a little bit of downtime that I have right now because uh, late summer and fall will certainly be very busy. Yeah, one of the best college football, sports betting, sports analysts out there. Chris Felica definitely deserves a nice little break here before we get going <laughs> into football season. But Ryan, I want to introduce you to our audience as well, working at Circa Sports. And some of our listeners and viewers may be familiar with Circa from Vegas, obviously, and the football contests out on the West Coast. But what are you doing for the sports book soon to come in Illinois? Well, when we open up, I will be uh, providing content. I'll be basically... Um, you know, producing the, the the daily odds sheets, and when we get into football, hopefully we can do some parlay cards, and then putting all the the, the uh, sports on the screens, things like that. But uh, r- right now, I'm just here in a uh, kind of a over overseeing role, just kind of making sure that we're going to be ready to go when we're ready to go. <laughs> totally get it. Let's get into the main event here, the 149th edition of the run for the Roses, the Kentucky Derby. And want to start off with your guys' horse racing betting process overall. Our listeners and viewers are familiar with you, Chris, but Ryan, a very established horse racing better himself. Chris, to tip it off, to kick it off, what goes into your strategy, whether it's for the Kentucky Derby or just in general when you're betting on horses? The first thing I'll try and do when... Uh, handicapping a race is kind of try to establish a a class level for each horse in the race. Uh, obviously, in the Kentucky Derby, it's a little bit more difficult because all the horses have earned their way into the race. But you can still find differences in uh, what I what I th- think is the class level from certain horses within within the field. Certain horses being better than others. And then the next thing I'll do is try and figure out the pace of the race. Uh, do I anticipate a, a slow pace up front? Do I anticipate a fast pace up front? Is it going to set up for a, a closer? Horses on the lead going to be more apt to maybe hold on? So the, those are the first couple of things that I do when handicapping a race. And, and, and of course, you need to follow the racing throughout the day. Um, is, the, is the course playing friendly to front runners is the rail good or outside po- outside positions good so there are a lot of things that happen throughout the day uh not necessarily seen on the past performances that can factor in the races but 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 i i like to consider myself mainly a a, a class handicapper and try and figure out uh class level within the horses ryan what about you 
I've had to explain my style before, and it's kind of a cross between pace handicapping and a consensus handicapper. So what I do is, first of all, I, I look at what the pace could be in the race. And then um, after I've got a good idea of how I think it's going to go, I then start charting some uh, handicappers, like whether they're the track handicappers or whether they're known on, on Twitter or whatever. I start to chart where they're going in each one of these races. And since it's a paramutual game, it's a paramutual betting game, I'm betting against them. So my uh, goal in, in figuring out where everyone is going to go, where, where they're going to go, is I want to zig when they're going to zag. So uh, a little bit a little, a little bit of, of, of pace handicapping and a little bit of, of consensus handicapping for me. Ryan and I are getting along great because <laughs> I, we, we have a similar philosophy uh, as well. I didn't know you were going to go there, but yeah, that, that's – that's the one thing that I think horse betters who are just stumbling in the, into the Kentucky Derby or the Triple Crown for the first time is that what the odds that you see on the daily racing form or the sheets or wherever you see are not necessarily the odds you're going to get. It is a parimutuel pool, and just to throw a horse out there like two fills, he's a horse that, if you look around, he is like the trendy upset horse right now. And he's 15 to 1 in the morning line. It doesn't mean you're going to get 15 to 1 on the horse. You're probably going to get closer to 10 to 1. So, yeah, I, I am, I'm with Ryan. I, I like to, uh, to, to be a little bit of a contrarian better as well when it comes to the horses. Let's dive into the horses specifically in just a moment. But I want to kind of backtrack and take a look back at some of the more recent Kentucky Derbies or maybe even beyond that. Chris, do you have a, a Kentucky Derby that stands out for you, whether it was uh, – maybe a bad beat or a ticket that cash that stands out in your memory. Okay. Uh, 2019 with country house was an all time score for me. Um, obviously he didn't cross the line first, but the DQ of maximum security put me, uh, put me in the winner's circle and I had the exact and I had to try and I had to pick four that, that went into that race as well. So uh, in, in the midst of a lot of booing and jeering and disappointment and hush <laughs> over the crowd, when, Maximum Security got taken down in 2019. Uh, myself and the, the group that I was with, we were uh, hamming it up pretty loud in the uh, in, in the clubhouse area there when they decided to put uh, Country House's number up. Well, first of all, I remember that Kentucky Derby pretty well. I was sitting in a shack in the parking lot of Keeneland. I was writing tickets at the time. And, um, you know, it was at the drive-up window, and there was still so many cars uh, waiting. And when the DQ went, I heard a bunch of cars honking, and you could hear the people inside Keeneland screaming. So I, I, I fondly remember that one. Um, but last year's Kentucky Derby, with Rich Strike winning at 80, almost 81 to 1, um, nobody had picked him. He was also eligible. He got in at the very last minute. I think it was like 10 minutes before he was going to be um, eliminated from the race. Um, I think that that's going to have an impact on this year's race because I think there's a lot of long shots that really have probably not a chance to win that are going to be bet and over bet, thereby diluting their value. So I think last year's Kentucky Derby is going to kind of spill over into this one for two ways. And not only that, but I think that the jockeys that are running in this race for the first time they want to be Sonny Leon they want to be the the guy who who wins the Kentucky Derby because he had a good a good ride for sure and perfect segue thanks for for doing that ride so if you look <laughs> back at the three or two of the three biggest derby long shots that came over the last four races including Rick Strike like you mentioned at 80 to 1 so generally speaking whether it's for this race and it seems like you guys are going to be on the same page with 
what Ryan just said, but are you excluding more of the deeper long shots from this pool? I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what, what Ryan said is 100% true, that there are going to be people out there who – the Kentucky Derby attracts casual betters. It attracts husbands, wives, girlfriends, brothers, sisters. Like, everybody wants to have a bet on the Kentucky Derby, and they see Rich Strike being a flukish winner at 80-something to one on a horse that you couldn't make a case for on the form. But – they're going to bet the long shots, and maybe that means that you're going to get a better price on a horse like Tap It Trice or, or, or Angel Empire, someone like that, uh, because the bottom feeders of the field are going to be a little bit shorter in the way the power mutual pool is going to balance out, is you might get a better price on horses that have a legit chance to win. But yeah, they're, they're horses like Jace's Road and Continuar and Sun Thunder, horses that have absolutely no shot. But because people are going to see that the 30, 40, 50 to 1 in the morning line, they're going to get bet. But yeah, I'm going to be excluding quite a bit of those horses. And I guess kind of on a similar tangent, it's not necessarily tangential because it's different from a pricing standpoint. When you think about there was the belief that with a handle as big as the Super Bowl, that public bettors could move a number, whether it be the total or the spread. And maybe we could agree to disagree on that front with the Super Bowl specifically. But it sounds like you guys both agree, Chris, that it is a similar notion or just a notion in general with the Kentucky Derby that because you have your casual bettors wagering on a race like this, that you can get better value at some of the lesser long shots that you are bringing up. Yeah, no, without without a doubt, you can certainly, the, the casual bettors will come in on, on these big uh, racing days and and flood the pool because they're playing their favorite number or they're playing their favorite color or, or, or they're playing whatever, whatever the reason. And, and they're just betting on something that has a uh, very unlikely chance of happening. Hey, sometimes it happened last year. Some may, may happen again, but uh, I, I'll, I will be alongside Ryan here and, uh, and saying that it's probably not going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> and Ryan, I want to ask you and, you, and you brought up that you were, uh, a ticket guy going back to, what, four or five years ago. So just kind of giving a little background about yourself, too. You didn't really do it earlier. What's your path in the industry? Because there's so many different routes that you hear from industry guys that were ticket writers at first. So how did you go about your industry path in as a sportsbook uh, employee? Well, my, my path has been nothing short of a roller coaster. Um, I've been all over the place. Um, I was actually a, a firefighter and paramedic for 17 years in, in Michigan. Prior to that, I worked in Las Vegas. I was a ticket writer for one day at the Las Vegas club, and I was promoted the next day to supervisor. Um, <laughs> you did a great so job. I, yeah. Yeah. They, <laughs> It was one of those right place at the right time things. So I was a ticket writer for one day, and then I became a supervisor at the Las Vegas club. And then I moved back to Ohio and then Michigan. And then when I left firefighting, I went to Kentucky to be into the sports or the horse racing industry. And it's one of those things where I took a chance. I was like, ah, oh, this is what I want to do. And I failed. I had like a big scheme plan that I was going to you know, do something in horse racing and it didn't work. So I moved back to Las Vegas, my family's there. And then I ended up working at Circa, which sits right on the same exact spot as the Las Vegas club did. In fact, 
the office that I worked in at Circa was in exactly in the same spot as the office that I had at uh, Las Vegas Club. So I, you know, I've been a ticket writer for sports for one day. I was a ticket writer for horse racing um, at a couple of different places, including Keeneland. And then I've been with Circa almost since they opened. They opened in October of 2020. I started in December. So uh, I'm very happy where I am right now. And uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited every, every day. Yeah, and I know Chris has been out to Vegas quite a few times and has gotten some cool behind-the-scenes looks at Circa. All of us know Jeff Benson. I think you have a yeah. meeting, weekly meeting with yes. Jeff Ryan <laughs> and very, very well-spoken on Twitter, to say the least. But want to get back to the race here. And both of you mentioned the morning lines being released on Monday with that. And it's been well known that Forte is the favorite at three to one. And I think he was priced at plus 200, depending on the shop leading up to the Kentucky Derby. But for the morning line specifically, he's set at three to one. So for Forte in particular, how are you guys approaching him, whether it be straight wagers? doesn't seem like you guys are going to be having a position on him, but maybe an exotic, whatever it may be. I know you guys don't have those tickets ready to go just yet, but generally speaking with Forte, what's your strategy, Chris? You first. I haven't fully handicapped the race and laid out how I'm going to bet it, but I haven't heard many people give Forte a chance just yet. My inclination is that his bloodlines do not scream mile and a quarter. Violence is primarily a uh, a sprint-type winner, and, and his offspring have been more of a seven-for-long-type uh, horse. But, hey, he's closed well at Gulfstream, the, the mile and an eighth distance. So uh, can he carry that another furlong remains to be seen. Uh, I don't know exactly what he's beaten at Gulfstream. I mean, Mage is an up-and-coming horse, but Cyclone Mistrip is a is, is a speed-and-fade type. And, and, yes, he ran huge in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile that day, and uh, whatever happened to the favorites in that race happened. But he did win the race. He, he's got a couple of wins in Kentucky. He hasn't wor- uh, raced at Churchill yet. Um, he's got the right running style for a, for a derby horse uh, that, that I like to wager on, someone coming from from just off, from off the pace and let the speed horses back up. So that could be a blessing or it could be a uh, a, a curse this year if the, if the pace isn't as fast as uh, it might it might be led on to believe. So uh, my view on Forte is I think he can win, but he's not someone I am pressing a lot of tickets onto. And if 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 he beats me, I'll be like, okay, the favorite one. I, I knew he could win, but again. At it, seven to two or whatever he's going to go off at, I, I think that's a little short to be betting on a horse that I think has distance limitations. How about you, Ron? I, I agree with Chris. I, I think that any wagers that I have on him obviously will be price dependent. I'll be keeping an eye all day long on what the uh, the current Derby odds are. The cool thing about the Kentucky Derby is uh, most paramutual uh you know, races, you can only bet the day of the Kentucky Derby. You can start the day before a lot of people bet early. Um, I'm going to be keeping an eye on his odds. Do I think he can win? Yeah, I think he can win. Do I think his chances are commiserate with his odds? I don't know. I think that's one of those things that I'm going to have to keep an eye on. Every year I play a, a pick four to where I'm alive to all in the Derby. 
And the only time I've ever actually been alive to the Derby was when California Chrome won and it didn't pay so much. So hopefully <laughs> um, if I'm alive to a pick four and there's big numbers all around, I'll be rooting against him. But uh, when it comes time for the, the race and I only want to bet on the race, if he's seven to two and I don't see a lot of, uh, uh, of reasons not to take the seven to two, then, uh, then, I, then I, I will probably go ahead and, and fire on. But it all depends on what his, what his price is going to be and what my position is um, for, for the race as far as uh, horizontal bets. So, Ryan, among some of the other favorites, whether it be Tappet Trice or Angel Vampire, I think Tappet Trice is around five to one on the morning line and Angel Vampire right around eight to one. Are those horses you're looking at or are any others among the favorites that our listeners, viewers should pay attention to? I like Tappet Trice. Uh, I didn't think I was going to like Tappet Trice, which is weird because when I finally took my my deep dive into it, I, I like his um, his late pace ratings. His late pace ratings are among the best uh, in the in the field. And when I look at the pace of this race, I I, I see a jumbled mess. And I, I, I want to gravitate towards a horse who can be somewhere in the in the front. You don't want to get caught in the uh, in the in the derby. You don't want to get caught early behind traffic. That's that's a killer. So this is one who doesn't have to be up front, but I think he can work out a trip to where he can be in the mix for at the end. And with his late uh, drive, I think he has a chance. And um, if someone said you have to pick one horse to bet in the derby, Tappet Trice would be that for me. Chris, are you in agreement? I do like Capitrice. I think he and Verifying were so much the best in that bluegrass. Now, there was nothing behind them, but the speed figures speak for themselves uh, in that race. And I prefer uh, Tapatrice to Verifying simply because of, I think, the, po the post positions as well with Verifying uh, being down in post two. He probably going to get stuck down in there and being pressured around from, from a mile and a quarter uh, isn't a good thing. And I think with Tapatrice being able to come from just a little bit off the pace from a uh, a stalking trip, like Ryan said, I think I think Tapatrice is someone that you definitely need uh, to look out for. I, I know you mentioned Ryan how you don't like uh, the closers and betting betting closers from from off the pace and being kind of sub subjected to uh, the, the mercy of trip. But if I had to bet one horse, it's going to be Skinner. Uh, he's a horse that just missed. Uh, to practical move out in the uh, in the Santa Anita Derby. It was his second start against winners. Uh, he ran a great race, and I like the jockey move from Victor Espinosa. It's crazy to say I like the jockey move from Victor Espinosa uh, to Juan Hernandez, but uh, Hernandez is an up-and-coming guy based on the West Coast, and, and I think Skinner, of all the horses in this field, uh, I've got very little concern about, about Skinner's ability to get a mile and a quarter here. Now, again, maybe the pace doesn't materialize, but this is a horse that clearly has improved from two to three. And you have John Sheriffs, who's won the Kentucky Derby uh, with, with Giacomo and what was another massive upset. And, and I think this is a horse that could be coming from from off the pace and really uh, make a run at the, uh, the front runners late. <laughs> well... Don't speak too soon because I know Ryan has some positive words to say about Skinner as well. Uh, so he's my long shot choice. It's <laughs> um, okay for all of the same all of the same <laughs> reasons that you said, like exactly the same reasons that you said. I don't value 
closers in a, in a big race like this. Um, but this one is a little bit different. And I, I really, really, truly hope that he's overlooked uh, at the betting windows because I would love nothing more than to get a, you know, 18 to 1, 20 to 1, 24 to 1 winner with him on top. And if I can just play an exacta with Skinner overall, I know that I'm going to make a lot of money. Yeah, and, and, he, and even the other way around, too, all over Skinner, yeah. if he doesn't yeah. get there for for another, what, 18, 19 bucks, I mean, that's that's certainly worth a, worth a play as well. Yeah, I did that with Commanding Curve, whatever year whatever yeah. year that was. But uh, when you talk about Giacomo, the first Kentucky Derby I ever saw in, in person was in 2005, and Giacomo won it, what was it, 50 to 1 or no? Something like that. Something he, he, like he, that. Here's a, funny, here's a funny story about 2005. I... Um, I love the Fleet Alex, and I thought a Fleet Alex was the best horse and was going to win. So I played a Fleet Alex all, all in a try, all a Fleet Alex all in a try. What didn't I do? All, all a Fleet all Alex. Fleet and you had Jacopo, <laughs> a closing argument, who was like 70 to 1, and then a Fleet Alex in third, and the try was just massive. So Nuts. don't be afraid to, uh, to hit that all button in a race like this. Did you get it back in the Preakness? Yes, yes, I did. Okay, very much so. Yeah, that was uh, a little, little, little scare there with Scrappy T uh, nearly uh, sending him to the ground. But yes, I did get it back in the Preakness and Belmar. He took a knee. He took a knee at the beginning of the race and still won. <laughs> Last question for you guys: Is there a horse based on post position or something along those lines where you guys maybe not fading said horse, but will definitely look to stay away? whether it be middle tier odds or among one of the favorites. Chris, start with you. Can can I go the other way with it? I, I mentioned verifying, I, I think already is someone who I think uh, just because of the, the post is kind of up against it. I'm going to go the other way and say a horse that I would have bet, but now don't think I can is hit show. I mean, the horse has been favored in every one of his career starts. He's got a good running style where he's kind of that the, the stalker closer type race. He, was a, uh, he probably was the best in the in the wood when Lord Miles got up and beat him at fifty to one or whatever he was. Uh, but at the same time, horses that are down on the inside don't typically do well. Now the question you need to ask yourself is: Is it worth it betting this horse at thirty to one or so? With the with with the new starting gate, just maybe the new starting gate, which was uh, brought in a couple of years ago, maybe that isn't as much as an end all uh, to a horse's chances from the rail, and maybe verifying the other cox horse goes to the front and Hitcho can kind of work himself out a little bit. So I, I think Hitcho is an interesting argument in terms of uh, just paying attention to the post position and actually maybe handicapping the race. Where normally I would say rail, no shot, but rail. 30 to one or so on a horse that I think if he doesn't draw the rail might be 15 to one or so. That might be something I still consider. Ryan, if you want to go along the same lines or however you want to take it. I, I spent probably five, six hours trying to handicap the pace yesterday and I just couldn't come up with anything. And I think the draw was relatively fair. Um, it, it does mean verifying has to fire. I mean, he's, he's got to go out. That's That's the way I see it. Um, hit show. I mean, good luck. Good luck. Um, I, I just don't have any, I, I look at the, the, uh, 
the entries and there's just nobody that just jumps out at me and says, oh, this person, this horse got a bad draw or this horse got a great draw. I, I think it was relatively fair. And Chris, I want to ask you a non-Kentucky Derby question because I know a lot of our audience definitely misses hearing you on the Daily Wager and hearing your sports betting takes, not just for the Kentucky Derby. And I also know you're a big Jets fan. And in the last <laughs> week, the Jets got some quarterback name Aaron Rodgers. So I think the win total is going to be around nine and a half if it's not set there already. The Super Bowl odds, as Ryan knows, out at Circa. I think that's actually the high point at Circa at 16 to 1, 14 to 1, pretty much everywhere else. So what's your viewpoint on A.G. Rodgers and a very good Jets defense and gang green overall? Uh, the Jets needed a quarterback. I mean, that that was an absolute given. They, uh, you can't, you could not move forward with Zach Wilson this year. And I think the hope for the Jets organization is, is that maybe two years sitting behind Aaron Rodgers will cure the Zach Wilson's woes. I'm not a believer uh, that it will, but it's clear that Rodgers makes that offense better. Uh, it's clear that the, the, the coordinator change makes the offense better. It's clear that some of the people that brought in the offensive line makes the, uh, makes the offense better. My concern is, are you going to get, that same level performance from the defense uh, as you did last year. So, hey, look, I'm, I'm, I, I thought there were two things in sports that I was never going to see. One was Miami basketball in the Final Four, and the other is the Jets in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so I knocked one of those two things out uh, in, in March, so maybe we can uh, knock another one out this, uh, this fall. But, but unfortunately, it seems like with all the scrutiny and being under the microscope, the Jets are set up to fail because of now all these expectations uh, with, with an all-time great quarterback and an opportunity to uh, maybe make a deep playoff run. And I'll spare you the college football win totals question, of course, that you would get. Or is there something? I, I didn't. I don't have a win total for you, but I did play Oklahoma <laughs> at 70-1 to 1 to win the national title. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I think Oklahoma is going to win the national title. But if you look at that conference, it's the most volatile conference in terms of uh, coin flip results. You had TCU go from 5-7 and seven to the national title game this year. You, you had Kansas State win the league. Uh, you can make runs in that league, and especially with a team that uh, they show their, their young backs in the bowl game against Florida State, who everyone thinks is going to be a top-5 team or 10-team at the start of the year, you get Dylan Gabriel back. Uh, Jeff Levy stays as coordinator. Uh, they were in every game out with Dylan Gabriel, a quarterback last year. The Texas game and the TCU game where Gabriel didn't play and got hurt in the TCU game were the only ones that they were blown out. And if you look at their schedule, they don't get TCU. They don't get Kansas State, two teams that are thorns in their side historically. So the winner of the if Oklahoma wins the Big 12, they're going to be in the playoff. So I figured if I can get 70-1 to 1 on a team to win the national championship where if they win the conference, they're in it, I put myself in a pretty good position to uh, to play around come semifinal time if that happens. Yeah, it sounds like a good future strategy for sure. And Ryan, I don't know if you dabble in college football. I'm sure, like everybody, everybody wants to be the sharp NFL better out there. I'm sure right. you bet your fair share of NFL too, <laughs> whether you post about it or not. But is there any future however you want to take it, any sport outside of the Kentucky Derby that you're eyeing, whether it be baseball, NBA playoffs, whatever it may be. I'm 
seriously considering dabbling more in college uh, football futures because with the expanded playoffs, you can enhance your position later um, more than you've been able to before. So I might actually uh, throw a little 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 coin on, on Oklahoma. But I, I think that w- with more playoff games in the future, I think that if you have a team that's 50 to one or 60 to one and you make it to the, to the second round, then you can obviously, you can hedge off a lot. So I think, I think your future is going to have more bang for your buck. Hey, I got, I got a question for you, Ryan. I oh, great. Sure if you're going to post, post <laughs> any, uh, any, any uh, props or anything with the Derby, but I, I don't know if it's something you've looked at or maybe you'd want to look at like what, would you consider throwing a a Brad Cox versus the field or will Will Cox win versus the field or Will Cox or Pletcher win versus the field? Because you got Cox with four, you got Pletcher with three. So, like, you're getting seven horses to uh, getting more than a third of the field to to win. Is that is that a prop that you guys think would uh, would get some play? I think so, but I'm. I'm not the uh, the decision maker, <laughs> anything like that. But I do like I do like those kind of props. Um, I, I think that the people that are in my circles, my my own, the people that I know, the handicap horse racing, I think they would absolutely love it. We need more horse racing betting, not less horse racing betting. But uh, that's that's for people above my pay grade to decide. But uh, <laughs> I would absolutely love to be able to fire at things like that. <laughs> Sounds like something Chris would be interested in betting. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> something like that with with the yes no because Circa throws out yes nos on so many things, and the only the only place that does, which is great, head to head matchups with horses are always great, and, and and that's something we within the Derby as well. Like maybe it helps you as a better, where maybe you don't necessarily think a horse is going to win, but at the same time you like horse A more than you do horse B. And they're matched up in a head-to-head, and you don't got to worry about the rest of the field. You just got to worry about beating one horse. So uh, I love those types of bets. Okay, I know that we're going to have head-to-head matchups, but we'll also have group matchups. Perfect. uh... All right, that's going to do it for another edition of Beat the Closing Number and two of the best to have on to talk derby. Chris Felica at Chris Felica on Twitter now with Fox Sports, one of the best sports betting Analysts around and Ryan Dickey at Firehouse Racing, a content supervisor at Circa. And as you could hear, is very, very knowledgeable about this derby field and horse racing in general when it comes to betting. So much fun having you guys on. Really appreciate the time. As always, Chris, you know I've been bugging you for a long time, Ryan. (laughs) This will be one of the first of many times I bug you to come on the podcast. So thank you both very much for joining us today and uh, always appreciate it. You got it. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Remember to hit the thumbs up and give the video a nice little review on YouTube or Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And you'll get notifications whenever the lines releases a new sports betting video on any market, including the Kentucky Derby. That's going to do it for this edition of Beat the Closing Number. The Lines is on Twitter at The Lines US. And for more promos, For the Kentucky Derby, head over to thelines.com for FanDuel Racing. So long, everybody.